welcome to Women's Hoops and Talks, the What Podcast. I'm Tara. And I'm Cassidy. We've got a great show coming up, and we are joined by Tara's original co-host for the What Podcast back in the day, and it's Joe Wolfenstein. Welcome back to the show. What, what? I'm here, (laughs) y'all. And so is my dog. Yay! (laughs) I'm super happy to be back. It's so good to have you back. I'm so excited to have both of you. Last week, Cassidy wasn't able to record, so I had a fun time with Alex, but it's always awesome to get the gang back together and then to add Joe into it. I'm just, I'm so excited to be talking to the two of you. I've been looking forward to this week for a long time because there's nobody who loves All Star more that I know of than Cassidy. So can't wait to see how, uh, how she's feeling about the weekend that has just passed. But the way we get the podcast started these days is that we start off with an icebreaker. So today's icebreaker is inspired by a couple weeks ago in uh, Toronto, Canada, Serge Ibaka and OG Anunoby had a wonderful exchange where they were discussing fashion. And if you haven't seen it yet, you should totally go listen to it as soon as the podcast (laughs) is over. But the crux of the whole discussion was on uh, whether or not OG had introduced Serge Ibaka to scarves. And that escalated very quickly to a giant, I don't know, scarf off with the the players in Toronto. (laughs) They now all wear scarves that are the size of small blankets or large blankets or small nations, depending on how you look at them. Uh, So the icebreaker today inspired by that is what is your favorite accessory that players wear when they do the NBA walk up? So, Joe, you're the guest. Would you care to start? Are we are we talking now or all time? You can go wherever you want with it. Because as a diehard Portland Trailblazer, I just cannot say anything other than the headband. <laughs> I forgot I have two right? headband lovers now. Yes. I'm yeah. all for headbands like, always. And I get... And I get it. I get it. You're like talking about the walk up and like the fashion before the game. But honestly, like I don't pay attention to stuff like that. So I'm <laughs> I'm evolving your question to how I want to hear it. No offense. <laughs> and I'm just saying like that's called that's called a pivot. That's totally fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm pivoting. Um, because I mean I thought about it. I thought about who these like really incredible iconic fashion gurus are and I I think it started back in the day because of like David Stern was trying to, to um, improve the image of the league. So he started putting more guidelines on what they could and could not wear versus them just showing up in like sweats and a jersey or whatnot. Um, so I remember like how Allen Iverson got super colorful and creative and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then in obviously more recent times, some really incredible fashion guys are like Dwayne Wade or... Carmelo, and then I think you could say any freaking time that Russell Westbrook walks up to anything, right? Those are all like super iconic, memorable fashion Mm -hmm. sort of guru guys. But for me, I'm going to take it for the game itself. Like I loved the headband. I loved the double wristband, like all that kind of stuff. It was just this really cool, iconic style that was played in the 90s. Um, You know, Cliff Robinson, if you remember, wore a headband all the time. And then they all got together and saying, can I get a headband? So to me, I decided that I was going to adjust the question slightly and go with the headband. Perfect. Um, Tara, how about you? You have a favorite? So, yeah. So my, I love, uh, that was an awesome answer, by the way. Yeah. Joe. Um, I'm going to go back to like the, the original question. And I love, um, I love necklaces with medallions on them because <laughs> I love it because they're sort of like the like, you know, I don't know if you guys had charm bracelets when you were growing up because charm bracelets like you could like hang little things from them that sort of like told your story. Like, you know, if you went to the beach and you would go buy a charm while you were there. So I like 
fashion or I like jewelry that tells a story and a lot of NBA players like have cool uh, medallions that they have on and my favorite one is of course the one that Damian Lillard wore that has Dame Jr. in it and it's like surrounded by encrusted diamonds and I love it so much so I love any sort of expression from the necklace that's my favorite wow that's a very good answer too yeah um I don't think anyone's necessarily going to be surprised by my answer, but I'm going with, I think, a new trend that needs to happen, which is the travel mug for coffee, because I feel like we see so many players walking up with travel mugs, and I want a new fashion trend of just insane travel mugs, and I also want to see which players drink, like, tinier coffee drinks because I'm just looking for which player drinks a Cortado because that's my favorite coffee drink. And so I just, (laughs) I need to know things and I need fancy to gum cups. So a tinier coffee, which player has a tinier coffee drink? Yes. I feel like that should be the name of this episode. It's a good, it's a great vision. (laughs) Wasn't it Boris Dio who had the espresso maker in his locker? I just thought like that has got to be my favorite teammate. He would be the best teammate ever. I'd be there all the time. I guess if he didn't Mm -hmm. share espresso, but it's my understanding that he, I think he was, uh, that he shared anyway okay before we go too much longer on accessories let's rein it back in and so joe it has been gosh i i saw you not long ago around christmas time because you were in town but it's been a couple years since you've been a regular on the podcast so like what have you been up to i have still been just living in alaska and traveling the world so I usually get out two to three months out of the year and go travel and stuff. So this this year I did October and November and then left again several times in January and then went on a little weekend trip this weekend as well. So I unfortunately did not hit my recording settings right and didn't record the All-Star game. I'm really sad about it. Um, but yeah, that's, I just am doing my, my living and working and traveling thing. And I try to stop in Portland whenever I'm coming in or out of Alaska, which is how I ran into you. I very quickly flew down for 48 hours because my family made a big deal about me being around on the holidays, which I'm usually not. And I said, well, fine. If I'm coming, I'm going to the Blazers game and you can come or not, but I will be there. <laughs> so it was a really special fun night. I my friends from Alaska are actually living in Portland for school for a year and they have a little two-year-old daughter and I'm one of her many, many loving aunties. And so I, I made them wait until I came into Portland so that I could be the first person to take Kennedy to her first Blazers game. And it was super fun. Yeah. You met her, you met Kennedy, Mm -hmm. that sweet, sweet little girl when you saw me. Yeah. So that's, that's basically it. <laughs> so how do you stay connected to the Blazers from being so far away? It's actually gotten really difficult in the last few years, not just because I'm traveling, but if I am in Alaska in the wintertime when the season's going, then I'm working at a restaurant at night. My main job and main source of employment is from May to September in the tourism industry. And then I have a lot of flexibility to travel in the wintertime because I work at a restaurant that's super understanding. But as you know, restaurant jobs are usually at night. So it's incredibly difficult for me to watch games. So I try quite a bit to keep up on podcasts, although I've been pretty bad about that even the last few months. It's been a hectic few months for me and my family. Um, And then just watching scores online, trying to read the articles, keeping up with Blazers Edge. And then occasionally along my travels, I'll run into a fellow Portland Trailblazers fan. Whenever that happens in a foreign country or even a a state that isn't Oregon, I freak out. I just go running (laughs) towards people. All my friends that are with me are like, this is so embarrassing. Or there have been a few times where they'll see a Portland Trailblazers logo up ahead and they'll like steer me in a different direction and later (laughs) tell me that they made me avoid it. Um, It's always fun to like catch up. There was one time I went running after an 
a gentleman in Europe somewhere. I don't even remember where. I was so excited. He had this shirt on. I was running, screaming. I was yelling, Rip City! And, and he wasn't turning around. And then I finally caught up to him. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm a huge Blazers fan. And he was like, who are the Blazers? <laughs> <laughs> so he would like just wearing this shirt that he someone probably gave him or he got it at a thrift shop or something. But one time I went into a big uh, Russian nesting doll store in Prague and they had a whole section dedicated to sports. And I was like, this is so sad. There's never a Blazers version anywhere I go around the world. It's not, it's always just like the really big market teams. I was really disappointed in the owner of the shop. It's like, well, what team are you looking for? And I said, the Portland Trailblazers, you don't have a single one in here. And he's like, I think I do in the back and guess who it was, Tara. What? Ed Davis. So I have a Rus- Russian nesting doll set from Prague in a Blazers jersey that's Ed Davis. And it's all Ed Davis? <laughs> so, like every little one is da- Ed Davis? It's all the way down to the <gasps> tiniest Ed Davis. Oh, my God. That's amazing. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I find ways to stay amazing. connected. Yeah. <sighs> It's pretty much the greatest find I've ever found. Oh, my God. That is. Oh, my gosh. That's the greatest find anyone's ever found. (laughs) Yeah. He was. And he was like, I don't. Is there a famous Blazers player named Ed Davis? And I was like, you're in Prague. You don't know. (laughs) Yes. The most famous Blazer is Ed Davis. That's so. Like, I wonder who chose to do Ed Davis. And then I thought, well, maybe it's just they picked a random number. But, like, no, it says Davis on the back of the jersey. <laughs> That's incredible. It's pretty, it's pretty great. Yeah. Oh anyway. When you display it at your house, do you have it taken apart so it's all the different Ed Davises? Or do you have it, like, just all together? And then you just hand it to people to no. explore? <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't let people touch my blazer things. <laughs> so no nobody touches him <laughs> I have a whole big cubby it's they were in my apartment when I moved in there are these like huge cubby cupboards in my bedroom and so there's this whole big one with all this blazer stuff in there and then my hallway going up the stairs to my room I have mounted on the wall my authentic 1980s basketball hoop Portland Trailblazers basketball hoop and then you I finally did it Tara, I finally framed the LaMarcus jersey. I just I just got it done a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago. It is massive. He had to like fold it up because, you know, it's a 4XXL or whatever. And he, he slid the little plane ticket in there to the ticket stub of my flight to Dallas. So I just got that framed about a month ago which inspired me then to get my Damian Lillard signed jersey framed. So that I just got that back a few days ago, and that will be hanging in my hallway next to LaMarcus. So That's got to take up a lot of space. Yeah, there's no room for any of the other jerseys. i got to move to a bigger apartment. So to catch people up who might not know, can you want to explain the uh, what's special about the LaMarcus Aldridge jersey? I'm pretty sure I've told everyone who's ever existed this story, but I'll give you the very brief version. When LaMarcus was contemplating his free agency, I just decided not on my watch. And so I launched this massive initiative called Stay LA to try and convince LaMarcus that Portland really needed him and wanted him. So it became this big event. I got on all the different news outlets and podcasts and radio stations and even on television news for it and Bleacher Report did an article on me about it and that is actually how I got involved with Blazers Edge podcast because they had me on the show and then later invited me on as um, a host with Tara and he ended up leaving which made me cry for several days especially because he did it on my favorite holiday which is July 4th and I pulled myself together, saw all the negative feedback that he was getting and decided that I didn't want him to think that that was how the real fans of Rip City were. So I tracked down his agent and sent them an email saying, this is who I am. This is what I did. Please tell LaMarcus that the real Rip City says thank you for the last nine years. And they wrote me back the next day and said, can you get on a plane on Sunday? Because he wants to fly to Dallas to have dinner with him and say thank you. And it was 
one of the greatest nights of my life. And at the end of it, he gave me one of the jerseys he was wearing during the Houston series, which at the time was the only playoff series that he had ever won in his professional career. That's amazing. I still miss him every day. I know you since you've been far away, so you don't know that or I don't know if you caught that there was a lot of rumors uh, earlier that um, Marcus LaMarcus might be interested in coming back. It's just, um, you know, it was it was a buzz for a little while. Obviously, it didn't happen at this deadline, but there's been, you know, quite a bit of coverage about him maybe someday coming back here and him and Damien um, working through. It sounds like, you know, Damien was really young, LaMarcus was in a different place, and they just didn't really connect in a way that um, made it make sense for him to stick around. But maybe someday, you know, we'll flame that fire in you, Joe. I'm, I did read all of that stuff, and I'm hoping that since the Spurs aren't doing so hot this year that uh, maybe he'll just want to come back. And I just, <laughs> he gave me a very personal insight to his relationship with Damien when we had dinner and stuff. And I do, I do think that they have a really, really great respect for each other, regardless of, of how the relationship was. Um, And I do think that as seasoned, well-rounded, well-respected players, that they would be happy to play together again. So. Oh, that's so cool. Thank you for sharing yeah. the story again, because I'm sure we've uh, picked up some new listeners who, who didn't know all about that. Um, and also just love hearing like what you said about, um, you know, him and his relationship with Damien. One of the things that we just came through is All-Star Weekend. And one of my favorite things about All-Star Weekend is just watching players interact with each other and get to like not be competitors so much and just kind of sit next to each other and and, and enjoy the atmosphere. But I'm not the huge All-Star fan here. Cassidy is. So I'm going to turn it over to you, Cassidy, and have you tell us like what you thought and lead us through some All-Star feedback. Well, the last few years have been really disappointed with All-Star Weekend. I still love it. I'll love it no matter what. But I loved this weekend. It was so much fun. Um, I had a blast. And I'm wondering what you all kind of thought about this weekend. I know we all caught kind of different parts of the weekend. But overall impressions? Yeah, sure. I mean, I I had more fun watching the coverage that I did watch this weekend than I can remember in a really long time. I mm-hmm. uh, I always like the um, the skill the night where they have like the skills and the dunk mm-hmm. and the three point competition because it's so efficient. I just yeah. <laughs> I just admire how they've kind of got it down to just like in terms of like running the show. Um, mm-hmm. I I thought it was good, but and then obviously we'll probably talk about the. Um, the other you know the game itself which i'm sure you watched right oh absolutely i watch like (laughs) everything down to like the silly things like i mean i watch the whole legends brunch i'll watch the roast i mean i will watch every last like I started at like 9 a.m. I planned meal prep around this. I had to go to work for a little bit on Saturday, and I was like, I need to be home by noon because they're going to show like junior NBA coverage. Like, I'm, I love All Star Weekend. Um, that is impressive. Excessive. Um, impressive, <laughs> excessive, whatever you want to call it. I super love it. <laughs> I but, thought that the overall yeah. vibe of the weekend seemed like super incredible and I obviously haven't been on the podcast recently so I haven't had a chance to talk about this but I struggled hardcore with Kobe and Mm -hmm. Gigi like that was it was very very difficult for me I mean I hated him growing up but it was like this love to hate Mm -hmm. or or I I loved him I loved his game and so I hated him because he's always crushing us um and so I think it was just this like really beautiful, and I only was able to watch Saturday night festivities, but it was this beautiful juxtaposition of like the competition and the, the a little bit of rivalry and a little bit of he got robbed with what David Stern's life goal was, which was to have basketball bring people together with all these amazing, beautiful tributes to Kobe and Gigi. And so 
it just felt like a vibe change to me. It felt mm-hmm. like a togetherness um, and, a, and a, a respect and a love and a closeness that I haven't ever seen before in all-star activities. So that's, that was my biggest takeaway. I, mm-hmm. I thought the whole thing was really beautiful. And I did think at the beginning of Saturday night, most people are having 24 seconds of silence or moments of silence and stuff. But mm-hmm. instead, they ha- they said for 24.2 seconds, we are going to be as loud as we can possibly be. We're going to cheer. We're going to hoot. We're going to holler. We're going to scream to honor Kobe and David Stern. And it's just something that is different and unique, just like they were. And so I just I thought it was super cool. Yeah, I definitely thought the weekend had a different vibe as well. And I think that also lent to almost more competitiveness to an extent within that friendly competition. Yeah. So I think a lot of people kind of took what they, they, they took that uh, admiration of Kobe and what he was and kind of like went for it. Cause I mean, we'll get to the fourth quarter of that uh, all-star game, but uh, that was insanity. Um, How about the additions to Saturday night? The uh, extra line on the three-point competition, the new, basically the Damian Lillard shot. That's what I keep calling it. So I don't really know what it's called. (laughs) I think they called it the mountain, the do zone mountain. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's why I kept calling it the Damian Lillard shot. Yeah, I saw people on uh, online talking about how they added it for Trey Young, and I was like, "Excuse me, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh, that's right, everybody falls asleep and they don't watch Damian Lillard." Um, yeah, because yeah, mm-hmm. I was bummed he wasn't participating, but yeah. I mean, I understand. I think he made the right choice, but it was it was a bummer. Cassidy, did you watch the celebrity game? Or the yeah. Rising Stars game, <laughs> of course. Absolutely, you, of course. You, why am I asking? <laughs> so one of my favorite parts about uh, All Star Weekend is the celebrity game, which I've never watched like a single play of it except for in highlights. But I love it because I love looking at the list of celebrities and picking out if I even know even one of them. And I'm, I, it's always like an excuse for me to go like learn about new people because I'm like I have yeah. no idea who any of these player people are except for the WNBA players. Which mm-hmm. side note, I don't like having WNBA players in the celebrity game. Oh. I think it makes them like look like they're not serious basketball players. And I am a hundred and ten percent on board with that statement. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think that oh, it's just so much. Um, They the level of play in that game is just not high. It's just there's not a lot of expectation for people who don't play basketball. And then you throw in world-class players and it's like yeah it's just just like a little embarrassing to like the way that they're just kind of an afterthought and you know Mm -hmm. it's like come on like that's just they're they're real professionals here and um the other people like you know sure they may have been good athletes they may have a reason for being there but they're not professional like you said in the best um, you know, the best of the best. Mm-hmm. But I did learn about, two, I mean, I learned about a bunch of people that I didn't know anything about, but there were two that I thought were pretty cool were included. One who I didn't know anything about. And except for like the Wikipedia article that I read, like right before we started, was Jose Andres. Do you guys know who he is? I yes. picked him out because oh. he was 50, which means he's my age. So I was like, okay, there's a guy who's my age in there. But he mm-hmm. also started the World Central Kitchen, which is like he started it 10 years ago in response to the Haitian earthquake. And he goes around the world during disasters and like sets up things to like, like to feed people who are working on disaster relief he's got like a bunch of uh of restaurants all over the all over the world but like that's kind of his thing um and i just thought that was so cool i had no idea who that was that is really cool yeah i didn't either who was the like chubby dude that they kept having like highlights he's my other favorite oh my god (laughs) Okay, I I was like, who is this person and why is he all over any sports news outlets right now? I can't wait to tell you. Cassidy, did you already know who he was? And he 
No, I had to look him up. Okay, so you, I believe, I think, are talking about um, Anthony Spice Adams, also known known as Creamy yes. Biggins. Um, and the the video that you're talking about is this one where he's like he's this big dude and he's on the pink team, so he's a big dude in a big pink uniform. He used to be an NFL uh, defensive player. Mm-hmm. So, Imagine. Oh, there you go. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was doing all these really fancy moves and then uh like got close to the basket and Quentin Richardson just like blocked him with without even like jumping, just like swatted mm-hmm. the ball so far away. But this dude is so funny. He yeah, he retired from when he was a free agent, like several years ago when he was a free agent, um, he started making videos of like his life while he was a free agent and like what an NFL players do while they're waiting to find a team. And it was like him and his little family who are like super cute. And then he <laughs> they interviewed his wife and they were talking about time they were driving past a white castle. And she said that she saw him look at it and she thought, Oh no, I know exactly what he's going to do. <laughs> so he held a press conference and like retired, I think from the NFL, from the White Castle. I don't know. (laughs) I was watching all these videos. I couldn't stop because they were so... Yeah, he like had this press conference from the White Castle. Mm -hmm. And And I just put two and two together and he also hosted the Great American Baking Show. Yes, so... I do remember this. Okay. Yeah. Oh my my gosh. So like I would be way more prepared for this podcast if I hadn't gone down um, a a Spice Adams uh, YouTube rabbit hole. But yeah, so I was very excited to find. I'm so glad you went down the rabbit hole. (laughs) Yeah, you need to go down it too. And we can compare notes later. But anyway, like, yeah, so I don't know how they choose the celebrities. I guess they probably a lot of them had Chicago ties. um, But I yeah. enjoyed at least I I didn't have time to learn yeah. much more about like Bad Bunny or any of these other people, but I'm sure they are all interesting as well. Yeah, it it is a wild ride that game. Um, Stephanie Smith almost getting kicked out of the game. Like, oh, I mean, I'm I'm not surprised, but so Stephen A. and then. And uh, Michael Wilbon were the coaches. Like, how, how did they end up deciding that they were going to have two ESPN commentators be the coaches of these? Are they always the, the well, coaches? Well, Wilbon's from Chicago. Okay. I don't know about Stephen A. And why wouldn't you have Stephen A. be a coach? It sounds like the best idea ever. Yeah. I mean, it was entertaining. So, I mean, you can't can't deny that. Um, he's, I think he's hilarious. I love him. I would love, I would love him to coach me on anything in life. <laughs> I, he should come to my house and coach me how to put up my, how to put up all my blazers paraphernalia. That would be awesome. <laughs> I would watch I didn't, that series. I didn't watch the game. I didn't watch the game. So I don't even know what near, near ejection you're talking about. Um, he did get a T only one. Had he been someone else, he may have gotten to. But yeah, it was <laughs> a good time had by all at the celebrity game. <laughs> um, uh, did either of you watch the Rising Stars Challenge? I did not. I I did not. No, the only thing I got was Saturday night. Give us the rundown of the Rising Stars, Cassidy. Rising Stars was just a, I mean, a solid game, but kind of still all-star gamey. So not a lot of, not a lot of defense, a whole lot of offense, um, but just a fun game. I, I kind of, I was doing a lot of other things while I was watching it. So I wasn't paying full attention to the game, uh, but it's, overall, it seemed like a really fun game, except I mean, no blazers. So I was like, I don't care. I mean, yeah. I was disappointed we didn't get to see Ant or Nasir. There's a lot of Blazer young players that have been making a big impact. And I was like, okay, okay. Gary. Yeah, I mean, what about yeah, Gary? But, I mean, the league, but the league right now is just yeah. like, so packed with insane young talent. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, gonna, it's like CJ's problem with never getting voted yeah. into the all-star game you know like not that mm-hmm. he necessarily has the numbers but back when he it was the discussion of like oh yeah someday he'll be an all-star it's just like how did how there are too many you'd have to expand mm-hmm. the roster really mm-hmm. yeah well speaking of that i think there's a way that you could include more players and i think that would be a mixed three-on-three 
tournament. So WNBA players, NBA players, three on three tournament televised, maybe leading up to the weekend or part of the weekend. Or if you're going to do a midseason tournament, include that as part of the tournament and they pick their teams. So no necessary alliances. You pick your teams, three on three tournament, mixed teams. I like that as a way better way to Mm -hmm. use the WNBA players. Yeah. That's a really cool idea. So right in. All-Star Weekend, I'm coming for you. Um, (laughs) Give them your thoughts. (laughs) So many. Um, But so Rising Stars Challenge was fun, but I think there are more fun things that they could be adding to the All-Star Weekend. Uh, How about All-Star Saturday night? Dude, can we just talk about how it's like today is a game of today's game is like a big game. Mm-hmm. Like, did you see those boys in the skills challenge? Oh, you mean a game for bigs? Yeah. 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 Like, I mean, it is, it's the game has evolved so much that bigs have to be so much mm-hmm. more versatile. They, they have to have more range. They have to have better ball handling skills. You know, like I think I read once um, that the year of the first three pointer that, um, any any center or any player that was considered a center at the time, it was like less than a hundred a hundred threes that were taken mm-hmm. the whole mm-hmm. season combined, yeah. all big men. So it's just like evolved and now yeah. it's into like the several thousands and stuff. So I think they've just been forced to become better skilled players. But I like the fact that it came down to just an all, all big. big men final. Yeah, and the fact, like, Beverly yeah. was immediately out. There was this moment where one of the commentators was like, Bam, shut me up. And I'm like, Bam, just shut everyone up. <laughs> yeah. like, it, was, it was really, really incredible. It's I just And you know me, Tara. Like, I love, like, that nitpicky skills sort of player, like the Wesley Matthews or the Nick Batums and stuff. And uh, so I loved I loved seeing seeing their skills. And I love seeing players that, you know, people don't really know that much um, participate in some of these challenges of Saturday night. It was super fun for me. Go for it, Tara. Oh, I just, I enjoyed that Sabonis made it through. I I just like Sabonis. Yeah. I mean, anytime there, I I was definitely yelling for Sabonis at that point. I was just like, yeah, but I mean, Bam is a fun, I'm. They're both fun. Nobody's a blazer. Um, how, how about that three-point contest? That was I love the three-point contest. And that was a good three-point contest. It was uh, a crazy finish for some of these guys. Who who the heck is Duncan Robinson? Uh, I just I thought I agree with you, Cassidy. It was crazy. And some of these rounds were like like their finishes were in Mm-hmm. I mean, Duncan Robinson, I had no, and not like I ever watched the Heat play anyway. He's with the Heat, right? Or is he? Yeah. Yeah. Or is, or is that, yeah. Yeah, no, he, had, um, he would like, played I, like an all-star just the previous Sunday against the Blazers. That's the only reason I know who he was and Derek Jones Jr. Because yeah. um, they played the Blazers right before the break. Mm-hmm. And I missed, yeah, I missed that game. So I'm like sitting here. I had to look him up. I'm like, who is this kid? But some, like his clutch, like his money ball racks and mm-hmm. his very last racks. I was just like, how are you doing? Like halfway through the round, you were like, oh, he's definitely getting knocked out. And then bam, like, nope, yeah. still here, buddy. Like it was yeah. crazy. I loved it. Yeah. I'm always surprised. I don't know why, but I'm always surprised that they put their money ball rack as that last rack. Because I feel like by the second round, I'd be so tired shooting. (laughs) Like, I wouldn't want that to be such a big, big part of my score is that last rack. But people killed it this year. I mean, that's why they're NBA players. Yeah, they love being clutch. Yeah. I love it. I mean, it came, it literally came, the winner came down to the very last ball Mm -hmm. when Buddy healed one. It was, you could not have asked for a more thrilling three-point contest, in my opinion. Yeah. How about, like, 
Well, how about the dunk contest? Let's just talk about the dunk contest because that was insane. A lot of controversy the day after during the scores, whether or not they were supposed to score it the way they did. Did anybody have any favorite moments from the dunk contest? I like there you go. I liked Derek Jones Jr. I'm sorry. I know that's very unpopular. I thought that I was absolutely fine with him winning. I thought Aaron Gordon mm-hmm. was also great. But the thing that I was really tired of hearing about was I got you know, he got five perfect scores. He got five perfect scores. Well, I read the rules and the rules are there's a first round and then you go to the second round and you <laughs> start over again. So that was not a reason. And also like Taco had to like duck way over so that he didn't get his neck cut off. And so, I mean, not like I could even okay. come close he did to not either have of to those duck way over. <laughs> he did not have to duck way over. Okay. He, he, his head got caught and I don't, care who you are gordon still jumped over seven feet yeah i just don't like the whole dunking over people thing in general um but we should also Mm -hmm. shout out pat Connaughton um because i thought i was so excited that he figured out how to fit a baseball uh thing in there because i didn't know how he's gonna do it but i guess that was Mm -hmm. the mlb uh mvp that he jumped over so he was super creative and fun Wow. I would have loved to see more of what he had to offer for sure. Yeah. Um, I wish Was there had been a bigger pool. Annoyed? Oh. Yeah. oh, yeah. I mean, I was super. Was anybody else super annoyed that Dwight was even in it? I don't yeah. know why. I just can't. I can't get behind Dwight. Like, like just, just retire or something. Because, I mean, I feel like anytime he shows up to anything, I'm like, why is Dwight here? <laughs> yeah. Although I, that's how I felt the whole time. And then he landed that first dunk and I was like, what just happened? Cause I did not think he was capable of that. And that was an, in, that was an incredible dunk. I don't think it looked very good in full speed, but when you slow that down, he basically like would have gone through two defenders if that was like an in-game dunk, which he definitely wouldn't do, but that was a really nice dunk. <laughs> was that his off the backboard one? No, was that, that was the that was the it was like a three sixty reverse thing going on, and oh, he like double yeah, yeah. switched it, and so that was that was a dunk. Um, I mean, it didn't get I him far, him and that was fine. Right. I did get more on board with him with the Kobe tribute. Mm-hmm. And I do, I do wish they had given him all tens for that. I, but that's just like my, my emotional side playing through, which as Tara knows does not often come through in basketball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I truly believe that if I have not punched a wall, it is not a 10. So I think judges are throwing things around a little bit crazy sometimes. (laughs) I mean, score it, like really score it. Because when it comes down to it, people got angry because they don't actually score anything for real. They throw 10s out. Then someone's trying to throw a nine out. Then they're trying to balance the score, but somebody messes up. Like, because I feel like that's what happened at the end there. And then you've got Dwayne Wade saying, I was pressured into the score. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, well, great. Why'd you say that? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I see where you're coming from. But I'm actually with you, Tara, on this one. I was, uh, I had made a bunch of these ch- chocolate truffle things. And I think my new adult equivalent of punching a wall for a 10 is me dropping a chocolate truffle. Um because I'm on a sugar cleanse and I just like, I was super excited. I made these like delicious date chocolate truffles and I dropped one on the ground during a Derek, Derek dunk. And I was like, Oh, that might be a 10 because <laughs> when I'm that excited, that might be a 10 at that point. Um, but what I was most excited for was less stupid props. Mm-hmm. That I great. hate props all up they slow everything down they make it less exciting you got to move it in move it out less stupid props and all dunk contests that is my platform always okay but why was the there this huge team of like tiktok dancers i don't even i don't even know what tiktok is i'm not gonna lie <laughs> but i don't i don't i don't know how those two girls how are they famous from tiktok i don't get it it really confused me. And then it was just a distraction. Like, and what were they even doing in the background the whole time? 
Okay, so I learned a bunch about yeah. TikTok this weekend, and I, I wasn't going to talk would. about it because I don't – well, I don't want to go on for too long because we're going kind of long. But basically, the thing with the TikTok girls that was uh, interesting to me was that uh, those t- those girls who were invited to, by the NBA to go, come and do that dance, which they do on TikTok um, – were not the originators of the dance and the originator mm-hmm. of the dance was a 14 year old uh, girl from Atlanta who hadn't gotten any credit for it. It's called the renegade that dance I think that they were doing, mm-hmm. but it was really interesting because on Twitter it was all playing out where people were saying, you know, like, Oh, there's these two white girls who are doing this dance, but it was actually invented by this black girl. And so by the end of the weekend, that girl from Atlanta had come and met the two girls and then they all, did the dance together so and i don't Mm -hmm. think that part of it was planned i think it was like oh my gosh like we have these girls who are doing this dance and they're not the originators of it and they didn't like you know shame them for it they were like hey let's go find the person who originated and let's give her an opportunity and so she got to do the dance with these two other girls with russell westbrook and Giannis in the background doing it and i don't know if you guys have seen that video but you should really go look for it because it's really cute (laughs) it's amazing the girl because she killed it is awesome yeah uh did i write down what her name is i mean so good i mean she had that lock down that dance and she invented it so (laughs) but her name is uh jalea Harmon. yes so we want to make sure we get her name out there because she was the creator of the dance so that was awesome but Mm -hmm. yeah i learned way more about tiktok than i ever thought i would um and it wasn't nearly as fun of a rabbit hole as the anthony spice adams uh, creamy Biggums one was, but it was still interesting. I'm telling you, while I was sitting there questioning what the TikTok dancers were even doing on the court, I thought to myself, Tara's going to find out. <laughs> <laughs> you know me so well. like I just... I just knew it. And I was like, oh, uh-huh. <laughs> that's hilarious. But I'm super excited. I don't know if you guys are ready to talk about this, but I'm super excited for Cassidy to tell me about the actual game itself since I missed it. Oh, yeah. I think we're there. So we move on to Sunday. Sunday, I uh, tend to love Saturday night a little bit more than Sunday in the NBA All Star world, but Sunday was a fun game if I don't say so myself um it the the new rules were the uh ones that they laid out so each quarter of the first second and third quarter kind of reset itself score wise all the scores were added at the end and then it was you play to 24 points in that fourth quarter no time limit um so Tara did you have any fun thoughts on this game? Well you guys know that I went and I researched the Elam ending which is that <laughs> thing that they that they used it to. Um it's something that they've been doing with the basketball tournament which is mm-hmm. a off season uh like play in one off tournament and they have been doing that for they started doing it for every game last season. I think it's mm-hmm. super cool and the reason it was invented is because the guy who came up with it um his last name is um Elam, uh, he didn't like how at the end of the games when uh, teams were behind would just repeatedly foul and foul and foul. And so he thought, well, if they if teams were just playing towards a target score, it would reduce the like unnecessary fouls. Mm-hmm. And um, it seemed like it made the end of this game really exciting. Oh, yeah. There were still oh. fouls, but they were like in the process of the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's like the the main origin, but it also, it really originates, I feel like, from just the basketball court, like playground style, because you play to a number. It's like, oh, we played a 30. Oh, we're going to play at a 15. And so I, that added a whole new level because I pick up games and games, that's a whole other territory of basketball, I feel like. And when you can bring in some of that fun, yeah. competitive edgeness to it, I think it makes everything better always. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I hadn't completely forgot about that aspect of where it had come from. But yeah, you're right. And which I think it was perfect to add it during Chicago, especially because playing on those courts in Chicago is such a big deal. And so I thought that was a really fun element to add this year in particular. Um, 
But what did like you it think? Made it oh, yeah. really competitive. Is that yeah. like, did it have more of a competitive vibe to you? Oh, yeah. Um, well, in the fourth quarter, I think it had some competitive vibes throughout the game, but the fourth quarter is always a little bit more competitive. What did you think, Tara? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I was uh, I was recording the weekly podcast during the first three quarters, <laughs> so I really only watched the the last quarter. But um, yeah, it seemed. I mean, like this. I mean, the score was high, but it was like you know. It was actually, you know, basically a, a Washington Wizards game in, instead of, you know, an almost 200-point game. <laughs> yeah. I I definitely – I remember watching the first six minutes and looking at the score and being like, if they keep this pace, the score is going to be 200 points. <laughs> like, And they're going to have to play to wow. something insane. Um, it didn't end up being quite that high, but it was a high-scoring game. I think the first three quarters are kind of what All-Star play – is but kind of almost elevated to an extent a little bit more defense but you know a lot of dunks a lot of fun plays um players showing off and i don't ever have a problem with that because who wants to get injured during the all-star game this is a time to have fun to show off i know people want a really competitive game but i think more than anything it's just about celebrating basketball during the all-star game I'm surprised Kyle Lowry didn't get injured in his incredible flop. Oh, my God, Joe. You got to watch that. I mean, it was like. I'm I'm like, I'm writing this down. And it was perfect because he he flopped to uh, against James Harden. And so James Harden had a a basket taken away. It was very. It was like it was like. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it was scripted, but it seemed like it was scripted. I mean, wait, wait, wait. Are you telling me that he pulled a James Harden on James Harden? Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what you're telling me. Yeah. Wow, yeah. I have to watch this. Yeah. Sure, it's very entertaining. <laughs> the entire fourth quarter, Kyle Lowry spent a lot of time on the ground. Yeah. Just in general, I feel like at least a third <laughs> of that quarter, he was somehow on the ground. Yeah. Um, and he was smiling about it the whole time. Yeah. Too. He was playing a hard. I, I appreciated it. Um, mm-hmm. Uh. I think one of the other things that I thought added a lot of fun to the fourth quarter, especially was having those two charities there and all of those kids sitting up close by the teams and you could hear them chanting for their teams. And I think that added a little bit of an edge to the players like, oh, yeah, the kids who were winning money for chanting for us. And like, you don't want to disappoint them. They're here for the game of their lives. Yeah. Oh, that's so sweet. And I think that's another element of honoring David Stern that, like, Mm -hmm. probably was just a very subtle, you know, because his whole goal was to make, like, the charities and the fundraising and the NBA cares more Mm -hmm. prominent and more of a global brand and things like that. Oh, that's really cool. I didn't I didn't realize that. Obviously, because I didn't watch it. I didn't realize they Mm -hmm. got to sit right up close. And they got to storm the court afterwards, too. Which was super fun. And... I know a lot of people are making a big deal about the discrepancy and how much was donated to each, but I think Adam Silver made it pretty clear in another interview that like they were going to do right by both these charities, no, no matter what. So I'm hoping it was, I didn't want to see any sad yeah. kids. <laughs> I'm sure there'll be an announcement about that at some point. Cause you're right. They couldn't, they couldn't unevenly yeah. donate like that. I think it'd be a big deal. What, yeah. So wait, So they had to get to exactly 157. Yeah. So the deal was they had to score. So after the first three quarters, all those quarters scores were compiled. uh, And then 24 was added to that total number of the team that was ahead. And then that was the score you had to get to. And And it was 24 for Kobe. No, well, you could, right. I think you just had to get to the score. Although my husband and I joke that you shouldn't be able to get over it. And then they, you should, you should take away five points. It's like the price is right. Like you can't win if you go that over so much more exciting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then what, there was something about Anthony Davis missing a free throw. Yeah. So the end, what, what ended happened up being, the score ended up being 156 points for a team LeBron and you had to score 157 points. There was a little bit of a flop thing to, Kyle Lowry ended up on the ground. Anthony Davis got fouled in that process, ended up at the line. He claims he missed the first free throw on purpose to add excitement to getting to 157. I don't know if I'm buying that. Um, He made the second uh, free throw. Kids stormed the court. 
uh, and Team LeBron wins. Uh, so he made they. I thought it was hilarious that like the most exciting quarter we've had in All Star basketball for forever was decided by a free throw. I, I know a lot of people were, were complaining about that it was decided by a free throw, but I mean that was a pretty high pressure free throw. I mean, oh it could yeah, have been for way sure. More bore. I mean, I I didn't really have a problem with it being ending. Oh on, no, on a free throw, especially with Anthony Davis having to shoot it, just like because that's a lot of pressure, right? Yeah, and he's <laughs> not necessarily known for let, those. And don't ever let Lee Ellis from No Dunks hear you say that. His he loves free throws, like. Like his favorite thing about the game of basketball. So hopefully he doesn't listen to our podcast. <laughs> but also hopefully he does listen to your podcast. Yeah. <laughs> everyone I'm gonna tell I'm gonna tell him to listen. If he has words, <laughs> he can go ahead and he can he can email us at uh what's our shots fired talks at gmail.com. the other thing that I think added to the excitement of the fourth quarter was the coaches challenge. I love that thing. It's the gift that keeps on giving for me. How do you all feel game? about it? I did not see notice that. Yes. There were coaches that. challenges on two calls in like the final two minute or final five minutes of that game. And I thought that was really fun. Um, I'm all for the coaches challenge. You know, the only thing I'll say about the coach, yeah, the all-star sure. game is that Frank Vogel looks like he's 10 years younger. Like that never happens to coaches who are under a lot of pressure. And he suddenly like this season, he, like I said, he looks 10 years younger. Like he looks like life is treating him great, which is not what I was expecting going into this. It's the sun. It's all that sun. Maybe that's what it is. All that beach time, all that good fresh Mm -hmm. air. All those juice bars everywhere. That must be what it is. Getting going to the oxygen bar. That must be what it is. LeBron, LeBron James's juice bar. His wife's juice bar, or did she shut it down? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, that's nice. have ones with like like a few different locations. Although I shouldn't talk, I don't even know where the locations were. (laughs) (laughs) Something else to investigate. There you go, Tara. (laughs) Well, we're going pretty long, so we should probably start wrapping it (laughs) up. Um, We didn't talk about Damian Lillard's performance. All I'll say about Damian Lillard's performance is I was so worried that he was going to strain his groin and and or fall off the stage. And uh, I just I think all of the soccer moms in Portland were like screaming, be careful. Don't hurt your groin, which is exactly, I'm sure, what a rapper wants when he's playing. But um, it was cool to see him. I'm glad he got to participate. I was so proud. And it's pretty cool that he's the only player to ever, like, perform artistically at Mm -hmm. the All-Star Game and perform in every event. Mm-hmm. Like that's a pretty cool statistic for him to ride high. It's probably going to rain for a while. Like I don't mm-hmm. know of any other NBA players that try so hard with their music or whatnot. Although, did you guys see Victor Oladipo on the Masked Singer? Absolutely, I did. He can I sing. Knew it was him. I knew. I knew it was him. episode one. Anyway, I was like, oh, I'm Victor not, Oladipo. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Sorry, Tara. I'm focusing. <laughs> <laughs> he might be the next to perform that's all i'm saying moving on <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right well to wrap it up i'm curious for you to like um the blazers have 20 you know we're on the end of the season the final run whether or not they're gonna make it to the playoffs they're i i they certainly sound like they're gonna try who are you gonna be which player are you gonna be watching for on the blazers for the rest of the season and you know really have either high expectations for high hopes for you know what are your thoughts about that let's see joe do you want to go first yeah, I'll go. I mean, for me personally, I don't it's it's really all gonna depend on our bigs. Obviously. We've mm-hmm. said that for years. I feel like that's just like the 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 lot in life that the Portland Trailblazers have seemed to inherit. And you know, as far as I understand, there's really no firm return date for NERC, right? Especially with this new calf strain or calf injury. But even if he's back soon, like we don't we don't know what his minutes are going to be like. We don't know yeah. how long it's going to take for him to integrate back into the team. Um, what's it going to look like for him for a while? Really, like 
and especially like we just really rely on those pick and rolls like from Damon CJ and stuff. And, and you've got to have a level of agility and flexibility and quickness for that. And so I'm a little bit concerned about his timetable. So for right now, I'm just going to like move forward with Whiteside needing to be the guy, which he's averaging like career numbers. He's doing really well for Hassan Whiteside. But my biggest issue with him is that he's just like, he doesn't have a lot of the smaller, like less noticeable skills that Nerf does. He's not as agile, you know, he's not as versatile. And my biggest issue is he doesn't work as hard. He's so lazy half the time, half the time, you know, you're, I'm sitting here screaming at the TV going, why are you just standing there? set a screen, you know, get to the rim, do, do something. And I feel like Nurk just tries. He tries on mm-hmm. a, a, a higher level than Hassan. Um, so for me, the devil's in the details and Hassan is not giving enough. I appreciate like his stretches of greatness, but to me, it's a stretch of greatness. It's not an aspiration to greatness. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know. That's kind of, that's a big one for me. And then I'll, I'll also throw in there a little bit. I think that um, CJ needs to go into like full on CJ playoff mode. Yeah. I feel like Dame propels him quite a bit. Um, but, you know, if we don't know really when Dame's coming back, I don't think it's a super serious injury, but Dame is, is going to continue to injure himself even in minor ways if he's the only one carrying the team. And so CJ needs to stop being on such a flat plane and he needs to have a peak for sure. Yeah. Good way to say that. I would say with Hassan, I feel like Hassan has come a long way. And what I like to, what I've been saying all year about him is that he needs to know exactly what is expected of him. And he needs to know that the team needs him. And when those two things are happening, then he is able to be that detailed player like you were talking about. But if he's not clear what his role is, it seems like it's harder for him to get going and he seems less engaged in the game. So I like I like it when he has a very clear uh, a, gl- a very clear role. But the person I'm really thinking about for the second half, like you said, Joe, is CJ. Because uh, he's historically been really good after the All-Star break. He tends to come out and, I mean, the whole team tends to be really good after the All-Star break. But um, I'm looking for a, a big push from him. And if Damien misses any significant time, you know, he's going to get the opportunity to have the ball in his hands more. And just, you know, he hasn't had the the scoring output that I kind of was anticipating this season. So I'm hoping for big things from CJ down the stretch. How about you, Cassidy? I mean, we're in a really big hole. So he needs to, like, we're in a way worse position this season than we were even last season when people when people were counting us out last season so yeah. i mean we're we've, we've dug ourselves into a pretty big hole but yeah um you know i agree with what everyone said and i think i'm watching dame i want to know how he deals with this situation because i think he's nothing but incredible and it's It's going to be really interesting to not only just see how he plays, but see how his play impacts the team. Because I think, I I just think his leadership, we see it on the court so much and we see it translate. And I think we could see a whole new level of that coming out for this last, what is it, 26 games or something. So, I mean, I think no matter what, we're going to see Dame be great, but like, I think we're going to see Dame impact his teammates. And I think we're going to see that reflect in a lot of other ways. And I think maybe we see that as Whiteside being maybe a little bit more locked in more of the time. Uh, and I think we're going to, we have to see it from CJ. We just have to. So it's going to be a real interesting uh Real interesting end of the season. Um, and, and I'll just I add, I am I would not be mad if we saw a whole bunch of Anthony, Gary, and Nat. Oh, yeah. I would not be mad if the Blazers got to no. the point where they were like, you know what? Let's get these guys minutes. I understand. Mm-hmm. That, like, or, go ahead. Well, they're going to have to play them. 
Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Or what do you think about this? Like, just hear me out. I know this is not going to be a popular idea, but my thought is like, of course we don't have the mentality of tanking. We're just not that kind Mm -hmm. of a team. And so there's going to be the push. Dame is going to want that to happen. He's going to want to get into the playoffs. We're historically very good at getting at least to the playoffs. Right. But then even if we get to the playoffs, I don't think we're going to get very far. Obviously it's just, it's not our year. You know, we could, we could be this miracle team. Yeah, whatever it could happen. But I just think until we get back together and have a full strong season, it's not going to, we're not going to go very far. So my opinion is sure. If you want to get pushed to the playoffs, let's get to the playoffs, but then in the playoffs, let these guys play. Because all these, no, none of these young guys get any sort of playoff experience, really, because, you know, you're trying to win games. I know nobody's going to agree with me, but I think it would be fun. I would love it if we got to the playoffs and then let all the young kids play. I think it would be great. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's a different take. I can respect that. For sure. <laughs> um, but, you know, I mean, I recognize it's never going to happen. I'm just saying I think it would be very fun. Yeah. Well, you, but you you make a good point about, you know, getting uh, getting experience in the playoffs is useful. But even before they get to the playoffs, I my favorite lineup is what I, I call the pink shoe shift, which is when Naz Little, Gary Trent Jr. and uh, Anthony Simons are in alongside either Dame or CJ and then what other, you know, random big vet is in. I love that shift and I want to see them play more. And if it propels them into the playoffs, great. And if it doesn't, then I'm OK with that, too. But Damien yeah. is not so. Damien, you do, yeah. you do you. Um, but I think I I I want I'm, I'm anxious for Naz to come back. He's been gone for a while. Me too. I hope that he's going to be back once the uh, once the All Star break is over. It would be really great if they had more than like eight players after the All Star break is over. Yeah, <laughs> just <Wouldn't> it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just having players would be really nice. Yeah, like, yeah, that would be them. really cool. Yeah. Let's get to the double digits at least. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Oh God, that would be so. But luxurious. I do want to say, of all the teams in the playoff race, I think it's super cool that we very clearly have the very best one. Like, you, there is no better player in the playoff race, in my opinion, than Damian. Really, you mean no, at yeah. least not offensive. You mean among players who are pushing for the playoffs? Yeah, you like the teams that who are eight, fighting nine, for the playoffs. Ten seed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, in the playoff race. Yeah. I don't know. I thought... um, so, and I <clears throat> go ahead. No, go ahead. You finish. I mean, he's just like in this moment, he's just like sizzling out of control. I mean, he's he dipped down a little bit the last few games, and those are tough losses and stuff. But I mean, that kid is something special. I think it's so amazing that in our lifetime we have gotten to see the game change the way that it has. We've gotten to see players like Clyde, like Jordan, like Kobe, like LeBron, like Damian, like Anthony Davis, like Carl Anthony Towns, like, you know, Luca, all these players. I Like, it is a really cool, like, 20-year span of players, 20, 30-year span of players that I feel super fortunate that I got to grow up watching and continue to watch. And so, yeah, I just, I think Damian's just on freaking fire and i think of those teams that are trying so hard for the playoffs it's just i think we are so lucky to have him Mm -hmm. yeah i i totally agree with Mm -hmm. us being super so so lucky to have damien and i really love what you said about like the last 20 years of players that we've been able to watch but I'm also really excited about the next 20 years of players to watch because, and that kind of came out to me over the all-star weekend. Cause I was like looking at the list of people who were playing in the rising stars. And I was like, these guys are like, just like move mm-hmm. them over to the all-star game next year. <laughs> I mean, obviously next yeah. year we're going to have, you know, Kevin Durant and Steph Curry and all those guys are going to be back. But my point is that like the future of the league looks so amazing mm-hmm. and I'm super glad. And I'm hoping 
that the experience that the Blazers have, especially behind Damian Lord, will be what they need to get them where they want to be in the postseason. But I have to tell you, watching Zion Williamson was just yeah. like, jaw dropping. And I thought like I thought we had agreed we were the Blazers were never going to lose to the Pelicans again. But like, good lord, that, that kid's special. He's like I, I usually don't like mm-hmm. popular players, <laughs> and I just was like blown away by how much fun it was to watch Zion Williamson. Yeah, yeah, I didn't even mention him in my list or Steph or you know a bunch of other guys, but man, watching Zion is watching him play is like the mm. the open teeth emoji. You know which one yeah. I'm talking about. Like yeah. that is how I watch him play. It's insane. Yeah. It's it's exciting. Well, ladies, we uh, we've covered a lot of ground, Joe. It is so great to hear your voice and talk to you again about basketball. We will definitely have to keep checking in with you, and um, hopefully, next time we talk, you will have had internet long enough to be able to watch everything. <laughs> I'm glad you were able to I watch need some to. of it. <laughs> And we are entering into the half of the season where my traveling is mostly done and my life calms down quite a bit. So now this is the half of the season I really get to pay the most attention to. So I'm super stoked. But thanks for having me. It was super fun to be back with you guys. I love it. I'll come back anytime. Right on. Yay. Now, I don't imagine in the last couple of years, because you had a pretty hard stance on it before, but have you joined Twitter in the last two years? Not even remotely close. <laughs> I don't think about Twitter ever. Hey, I got I've never thought about Twitter, Twitter ever. Yeah. I'm here. I mean, I'm on I, Twitter. <laughs> I, I just told you I don't even know what TikTok is. But there, I'm sorry. I shouldn't say I don't ever think about it because there are occasions where I'm like, well, I'd probably be more dialed in if I had Twitter. But my, you know me, Terry. That's you know one. how crazy busy my life yes. is. And so to add another element in, I just, I don't think I can handle it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's great to have you on. Um, I'll close out by saying you can find me on Twitter because I am on Twitter way too much. You're, you're, I <laughs> admire your restraint. I should probably show way more restraint. But anyway, there I am at TC Biggs on Twitter, TCB Biggs on Twitter, two B's and two G's. You can also follow Blazers Edge at Blazers Edge. You can follow the Hoops and Talks podcast at Hoops and Talks. And that'll do it for me. Cassidy, you want to tell people how they can send us email and where they can find you? Absolutely. You can send us your email with your icebreaker ideas. What your favorite part of All-Star Weekend is. Do you want to see a three-on-three tournament? We want to know. Send us an email at hoopsandtalks at gmail.com. And you can find me at Cassidy Gammon on Twitter. And until next time, go Blazers!